the Severe MMA Podcast Premium with Sean Sheehan and Graham McDonald. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Severe MMA Podcast. And this week's episode is a little bit different. Obviously, if you're listening here on, on Patreon, it's a few days early, but on the normal podcast, this is the state of the UFC address, which we do every uh, month or every six weeks uh, around that on Patreon, where we go through all the uh, all the divisions and see kind of what's going on with the champions and the, the kind of the top contenders. The reason we're doing this, I'm away this weekend. We recorded this early, and we're, we're putting it up for the weekend for everyone, just so you wouldn't be going without your uh, fix of Severe. MMA podcast slacker, slacker indeed. I, I actually I've way more podcasts this week than I usually have. I always do it when I like take I take one day off and I'm like panic and I think we're gonna have no podcast, so I do like five extra podcasts and <laughs> put them up. So it's actually a benefit for everyone listening to the podcast when when I have a day off. So yeah, with that in mind, go over and sign up Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. If you're listening to this on the, on the normal feed, uh, sign up there and uh, enjoy all the enjoy all the good stuff. But how are you anyway, Graham? How, how are things with you? It today is the first day I always talk about you know I've gone very Irish talking about weather or not but today's the first day I'm like struggling with not having a window up and doing the podcast it's so warm it's great isn't no, it? it's not that warm up here uh, last week it was very warm and then this week it's been windy and stuff but uh, at the moment it's cloudy yeah well it's a bit cloudy it's close though I walked into it earlier on to so well, maybe if, if it's if it's too warm for you in the house, maybe it'll it'll catch up here in the afternoon. Hopefully, yeah, maybe it will. But let's let's get into this state of the UFC address anyway. Overall, how would you think the, the state of the UFC is? We always kind of I had Zayn Simon on last Jay's week. The bleeding state of the UFC. The state of the UFC. <laughs> I had Zayn Simon on last week, last month on this uh, on this podcast, and he was kind of saying that you know I I remember talking to Steffi uh, Haynes. Uh, I always call her Steffi Daniels because that's how I knew her first. But Steffi Crooklyn uh, a few a few months ago on this, and she was we were talking about kind of how it was kind of an in between point in the UFC, and Zayn was kind of saying it's always an in between point now, and that's kind of just how we're going to be. There's just so much turnover and stuff. What are your thoughts on kind of the whole state of the UFC when it comes to before we get to kind of the divisions and stuff when it comes to like USADA when it comes to you know matchmaking and all everything like that? Do you think it's are we in kind of a stable place or are we still in kind of this this shitty place where we need to kind of improve from what we have at the moment? Well, I think on the on the face of it, if you're not like paying that much attention, it looks like it looks like oh they have a decent drug testing policy and. You see, like uh, people who are known names, like Jones, going through, going through cases. So it looks like it's all above board and stuff. But if you, if you actually pay attention to what's going on, it doesn't seem like Usada are doing a very good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like to me, Usada is one of the biggest problems we've had in the UFC in, in a long time. Like Usada has actually caused more problems, I think, than it's solved. Now it's probably solved a lot of problems as well. But the problem is, and I'm saying the word problem a lot, that the problems it has solved, you we can't really see because. What USAD is doing, you know, if they're doing their job properly or if they're doing what we kind of want them to achieve is they're forcing people not to take drugs or forcing people to, you know, if they had taken drugs in the past, to give them up. So that we're never going to see that. Like if, you know, Graham McDonald signs for the UFC tomorrow and he's, you know, if Graham had signed five years ago and he would have taken drugs and not taken them a week before and, and passed these tests, but now he mightn't take them at all, ever. So that, and we'll never know that, you know, because he'll never fail that test because of, of USAD, but... We never see that. So all we're seeing is the, is the bad parts of them. And but all, all these poor innocent guys that have done nothing wrong, mm-hmm. getting uh, getting tested, getting uh, potential tattoos and violations. It's terrible. <laughs> all these upstanding citizens that never did anything wrong, except for Tita Dillashaw. Yeah. Do, so do you think? Do you think all those lads were were just cheating? We're all taking. Yeah, drugs? I'd say I'd say ninety odd percent of them. Yeah, most of them. Yeah. See, I I don't know because. I, before I would have a hundred percent agreed with that, I would I would have thought a large percentage of guys were lying, and I still do think a good percentage, like John Jones, especially. Well, he wasn't lying; he he got done for four years or whatever. But he he dubbed someone in, so he lied about dubbing someone in. But uh, that's how he got off with it. But like to me, there's lots of of. <sighs> I don't know. There's the science is not there. You know, Luke Thomas has done great work on this. I know a lot of a lot of people don't like Luke Thomas and and whatever, but his work on this has been absolutely brilliant, and he's spoken about it so well that we do not have the science necessary to prove or disprove a lot of these things. Now, you know, if you fail an EPO test and you did the EPO test, and you know, we know what EPO does and everything like that. That's undisputable, and I, there's lots of things like that, you know, other people know them a lot better than me, but there's a lot, uh, you know, like the oral terrinibal that John Jones took, like this Osterine, 
there's there's big problems like the, those four lads last week getting six month bans each for Austrian and Tom Lawler had got two years of a ban for the same substance what two and a half years ago or something like that that this is a a big big problem like USADA came out and they said that Tom Lawler probably wouldn't have gotten that ban today so that that's grand to say we've improved and everything like that but at that point USADA felt that they were correct to give out a two-year ban for a substance that now they don't feel they're correct to do. Like, what backing did they have at that point to give a two-year ban from that? That all that backing is gone. That they don't even have that anymore. Like, how? How? It it feels like they made a decision to ban someone and take their life away for two years based on something which they weren't sure about, which they later went back got more information and changed their minds about. Like, that to me is the most worrying part about USADA, and I think that's what kind of Luke has done very well over the last while. And, you know, if you're to look, we're talking about the state of UFC, that's a big problem, I think, with the state of the UFC. But look, we, we could do a whole podcast on uh, on drug testing and stuff like that. We're, we're, we're probably not going to be able to, to get into it uh, <laughs> much more than that today. We might, might do it in the future. I might even get Luke on. But let's get into the divisions. And the funniest thing, I, I always pull up Zen Simon's bloody elbow um, list of, of current UFC fighters. And if anyone is, is doing that and wants to listen to this podcast, and feel free to pull that up. If you give it a Google, you'll find it. Look at this, Graham. We started at 125 pounds. Let me name out the fighters in the UFC 125 pound division. Joseph Benavides, Juicy Formiga, Wilson Hayes, Andrea Pantoja, Ryan Benite, uh, Eric Shelton, Davidson Figueredo, Magomed Bibilatov, Joseph Morales, Kai Kara Franz, Akron uh, Mkhitaryan, Roger Bontarin, Jordan S. S. Paniso and Rowland Pavia. That's everyone. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 guys in this division. It, it has to be doomed now, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah, it's even, it, well, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit less thin than the, the women's featherweight division, yeah. but uh, probably soon enough, uh, they'll probably whittle it down again because it's not really sustainable to have a, a division like a, a a division that's similar to all the other divisions with only 14 people but um they kind of showed their intent when they let the demetrius johnson go that they just for some reason just they've decided that it's a lost cause mm-hmm. yeah it seemed like and i didn't i don't think i mentioned henry zahuda he's obviously gone up to 135 pounds as well and they don't seem to be talking about that belt or anything so it's you know it's unfortunate obviously look joseph benavidez is fighting juicy formiga in a fight which normally we'd be calling number one contender fight probably the two consensus number one contender guys there and none of the other people in that division are matched henry Cejudo obviously being the exception fighting marlon Moraes, and we'll get to 135 pounds uh, in a second and you know there's probably actually no point talking about 125 pounds if you don't talk about 135 pounds because th- those belts kind of have to be uh amalgamated i think is, is the correct phrase for that they have to kind of be put together we you know it's it's feel it feels like like i want the 125 pound division to say i think there's lots of fantastic 125 pound fighters in the world you know coming up even like the likes of ryan curtis obviously over in belton off from if we're looking at irish guys and you know there was uh, what was his name that guy um pete interviewed him that he was supposed to fight, fight 125 pounds in bama or one of those and he's like what's the point now or rk george i think it was he's like what's the point now there's no ufc 125 pound division i'm not even fighting just pulled out of his fighting is talking about going up to 135 pounds so there's a knock-on effect the whole way through mma just like when they opened up the 125 pound division there was a knock-on effect a guy like neil siri was able to go down to his correct weight win what six fights in a row or six fights out of seven or something like that and get into the ufc like there's a big difference between 135 pounds and 125 pounds when you're that small like look at demetrius johnson the greatest fighter we've ever seen at 125 pounds 135 pounds he was a top two or three fighter in the world but was beaten you know against a very good fighter obviously with uh dominic cruz but because a lot because of size and stuff like that so it's very unfortunate for smaller guys like that that they're going to have to find a home in in bellator or in one fc or somewhere like that um or at 135 pounds which is not going to be as good in which we're you know we're going to take away something from them so that i think that's very very uh unfortunate but look i suppose yeah, even for guys who are in, like you were mentioned guys on the way to the UC, even guys in the ufc it must be kind of it'd be hard to get the same amount of motivation for like say this fight with Benavides and Formiga as you mentioned mm-hmm. usually to be a lot more on the line but now it's kind of like they don't really know what's on the line yeah. Uh, yeah. obviously the winning and a, a purse and, all, and pride and all that's on the line but it's it, usually you're kind of aiming towards something and I'm sure Joe Benavides was was when it, for example when he was rehabbing his knee he's thinking oh, I'm going to come back and make another shot at this title and then when he gets back from his knee injury there's, there's barely a division left yeah yes yeah, very unfortunate look I suppose 
it's funny because the last two or three episodes of this we've been saying oh it's probably going to be in now in the next month or so we're going to be getting rid of it but it, there still seems to be no end to it so look hopefully they, they need i think they need to get this sorted as well for those people and hopefully we, we will get in into it soon but um henry cejudo versus marlon Moraes, obviously coming up at 135 pounds you know it's it's a very very strong division 135 pounds you've liked to have last and saw algerman sterling pedro munoz you know dominic cruz hopefully he'll be back in the next six months or so cody garbrandt maybe he's gotten a little bit of a new lease of life i know he lost to uh pedro munoz but with tj dillashoff in those drug tests people are looking at him more favorably now and you know uh, peter yan uh cory sandhagen looked phenomenal at the weekend 135 pounds is a really great division too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And having Sandy Henry Zahudo and maybe a couple others from the from the division, uh, the flyweight oh, division yeah. will help. Like Tim Elliott's a big guy; he could, he's fought there before, and um, it's just it's it's just a pity, really, because for the the fans of MMA who are hardcore fans, like, and for people like me and you, mm-hmm. we would look forward to the, these. Like for example, like Henry Cejudo or Demetrius Johnson fights, especially Demetrius Johnson. Like you know, uh, he was kind of like people kind of when when for example the the casual public who who watch MMA don't really know about a guy. It kind of makes a lot of MMA fans like them even more because they're kind of like a, nearly a, oh their thing and nobody else knows about them. And maybe if they did become popular, it would kind of take away a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thinking where like. Yeah. The pride guys before were like, "Oh, he's better. He's the best," and nobody knows about him. And it kind of makes you, it kind of makes the person who's a hardcore fan seem like they, they know more in, the, in their mind or that kind of thinking. But um, I can see why the UFC don't care about the division. But I, I like it's very surprising, like because I don't think the bantamweight division is is much better. Like for for the casual fans, they're not like, "Oh, can't wait to see TJ Dillashaw or Dominic Cruz or whatever." Yeah. Like it, it, it is gonna, it is gonna wind that up next, and like yeah. and, uh, it's a wind it back a, up to lightweight and lightweight and above, like it was before. It's a story with a lot of divisions, though, isn't it? Like, like nobody cared about Tyron Woodley when he was champion. Nobody will care about Usman now. Like it's well, nobody really cared about the featherweight division until Connor came yeah. along. Like, like people, the hardcore fans loved Aldo, like me and you, and yeah, all imagine, that stuff. Imagine getting rid of Jose Aldo. Like they got rid of Demetrius Johnson. I just after that they could get rid of anyone. Like really, apart from you know McGregor and Jones, probably anyone. It's you know it really is a, it really is a shame. And Jones is out there trying to get fired for years and they won't fire him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Connor's doing a bit of the same, I think, as well. But sure, yeah. look, these things happen in MMA. All right, let's move on to to the women's division here. One hundred and thirty-five or one hundred and fifteen pounds. Are we'll start with and this is a division which is about to kick back into force here in the next what is it three weeks or so? Jessica Andrade taking on uh, Rose Nami Yunus uh, in at uh, UFC two three seven. We've at UFC two three eight. Karolina Kowalkiewicz versus Alexa Grasso. Uh, Felice Herrig is coming back. You'll see two, three, eight as well. Nina Ansara versus Tatiana Suarez, which is for me probably a number one contender fight uh, as well, and a few more fights uh, coming up as well. One hundred and fifteen pounds with Rose. You know she's been out for a while now. It's it's about to kick back into life. Who'd you fancy in that Rose uh, Jessica Andrade fight? I fancy Rose to win, but it is a difficult fight coming. Like Jessica Andrade is a lot better than when she first came into the UFC at the higher division, and mm-hmm. she's very tough. But as long as Rose is is over the injury, and Rose always kind of improves fight to fight, and she probably she probably has has been improving while she's been out. But uh, I think she'll win that. But I think Tatiana uh, Suarez will will probably by the by the end of by the end of the year or next year will probably be fighting for the title and I probably fancy her to beat Rose mm-hmm. Tatiana Suarez she's the princess that's promised isn't he? She she's a Zora high Tatiana Suarez is if she doesn't if she isn't they, champion they, they, they might they might slow roll her because she's like kind of a wrestler and Dana White's kind of maybe but I don't know she seems <laughs> to be like fan. she seems to be like good in social media and talks well and stuff so maybe you know maybe and that's another sort of division that I don't think people, and especially with Rose, Rose is like anti-social media and anti-interviews, and I'm like, she doesn't want to say anything, she doesn't want to do anything, which I kind of like, and I, I think certain fighters, it's good to be like that, you know, if you're coming out and being fake and all, it's no good, I think Rose Namajunas, you know, people talk about being real, and it's a very cliche thing, but I think she is, she just doesn't give a shit about anyone, she improves, you know, you made a great point there about, you know, see her improvements coming into this fight, she always improves, it's funny with someone like Rose Namajunas, like, we look at her, and we say, okay, she's just become a champion now, and we'll, you know, we'll see how long she can kind of stay a champion. We, we kind of get into that mindset. Like someone like Max Holloway, he just became champion. We, like Max Holloway is at the very top of his, or, okay, before he lost or whatever, he lost a very, very good guy. But Max Holloway for the last two years or year and a half or whatever he has been champion, being at the very, very top of his game. This is prime Max Holloway we're seeing now. 
it doesn't get much better than this for Max Holloway. But for someone like Rose Namunas, I think there's still lots of improvements to go from Rose Namunas. She's still wanting like 10 or 11 fights or something like that into her career. And it's exciting to see someone like that. You don't often see a fighter. Like we look we look at like a Suarez here or, you know, uh, you could name no, loads of fighters through, through all divisions. We think, what are we going to see next from? What improvements are you going to make? You know, contenders or young people like as a beat or anyone coming up. We usually don't see that with champions. Usually when you're a champion, you're like, this is it. This is the best fighter in the world. But Rose Namunas, we can still see those improvements. It's interesting to see how she's actually going to fare against Jessica Andrade. I think Andrade is actually, um, actually a favourite here. So that's it's going to be a very interesting fight. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I think I'd pick Rose as well because I trust her and I trust her improvements and I trust her game playing. She's Trevor Whitman, the best coach in the world, in my opinion, as well behind her. So that's, you know, a, a great... Uh, a great uh, thing to have behind her as well. But, you know, the rest of that division, you know, we mentioned Suarez. Ansarov has improved so much. She might be the most improved person in the UFC in the last year or so. You know, you want Ian Jacek coming back down to 120 or 115 as well. Weili Zhang looks very, very good. GBT Shatarad recently. Uh, Michelle Waterson as well. A good win there recently. Looking for that title shot again. So, very, very good division in women's 115 pounds it took a while to maybe kick in but uh you know in jacek did a great job of kind of building that division i think it's building behind her now as well with the next uh, wave of, of people coming through so i'm, I'm really excited to see uh, how they get on and i suppose 125 pound in it, it, I, I don't think it's as good as 115 pounds even when it started but hopefully it's one that'll build it's looking poor enough now obviously Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica I is not a great title fight and when you see the likes of Caitlin Chukag and Liz Carmouche uh, Ian Jason's gone back down but Roxanne Mataferi at number 5 Joanne Calderwood not great at the moment is it that that really needs new life breathed into it doesn't it yeah, it really does. Um, there's just there's just not enough talent in the UFC for for these all these divisions that they have, but they're they're they seem to be sticking with it. Uh, you know, uh, Joanne Calderwood, Roxanne Modafferi in in the top five on the UFC rankings, and Ioanni and Jacek like is is number four. Liz Carmouche number three, Q Kagan number two, I number one. <sighs> None of them fights really excite me with the champion or too much. And as you get beyond them, the the talent is really not there. Mm-hmm. But it is very early days for for the the women's divisions in in, in the UFC. So maybe it'll come good, like the thirty five and the twenty five. But uh, it needs it definitely needs a lot of work and a lot of new talent. Yeah, Macy Barber is someone coming through. Uh, who looks really, really good, and she could be, you know, a future champion. You know, Antonina Shevchenko, we thought, was someone who might come mm-hmm. through, but looked absolutely horrendous <laughs> against Roxanne Mataferi. So, you know, it de- it definitely needs new life. It needs someone to go in there and get two or three wins, like a Tatiana Suarez or someone like that. Maybe even Tatiana Suarez going up. I think she'd probably do that in the future. But um, yeah, look, it definitely needs work, and it's a new division, and I think we can we can take our time uh, with it. Then, then one hundred and thirty five pounds for the women. Uh, Amanda Nunes is obviously fighting Holly Holm coming up here uh, pretty pretty soon, um, and you know behind that it's it's another tough division to kind of look at and see what's coming next because we look at Amanda Nunes she's fighting Holly Holm at UFC two three nine then she's probably going to fight um, Chris Cyborg again at one hundred forty five pounds and you know which division we probably have no need to get into because there isn't really a division there uh, at the moment and after that like it's. It's tough to see who is kind of the next contender because that contender might, you know, might it might never even happen. If you look at like a Jermaine Durandamy or a Ketlin Vieira, yeah, Ketlin Vieira, is... Durandamy, uh, yeah. like she was, she she was very good. Uh, mm-hmm. Could have won or did win the, the title and could have fought Cyborg and could have won, but like would have had a decent chance. You know, it wasn't like a complete mismatch, but she didn't want to fight her. It was, so I don't know if that's a problem with her mentality or self belief or. I don't know if that was about money or I don't know what what that was about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult to know. Like, even, but even for someone like Jermaine Durandamy, I think she'd have no problem, you know, fighting in, in Nunes or home or whoever is the is the champion again uh, in her next fight. But we, like the problem is right. Let's say Nunes wins here and then she she rematches 
um, Cyborg, a 145. It's going to be this time next year before Nunes is fighting a 135 again. And maybe this Holly Holm fight wasn't the right fight because Holly Holm's got so many title shots. You know, she's the female Frank Edgar at this stage. She's getting so many title shots. And, uh, you know, it's, maybe it would have been better to give it to, to <laughs> someone. <laughs> to give it to someone like uh, like Ketlin Vieira or something like that. But, you know, it's... There's some good fights coming up, though. Um, um, this weekend, uh, Macy Chison is fighting uh, Sarah Morais. I like her. I think she's a, a good prospect coming through. Bech against Irina Aldana. Aldana's been someone who's, you know, been a good fighter for a long, long time, but maybe hasn't reached her potential uh, quite, uh, you know, quickly enough uh, Tanya Evanger against Lena Landsberg two former title contenders at, at 145 pounds and you know a few more as well uh, Leah Letson looked good in her uh, in her debut uh, Yannick Kunitskaya is 2-1 now in the UFC after losing to Cyborg and uh, Marion Renault is still hanging around there as well so you know it's it's a strong enough division, but I think at the top, that kind of, the, you know, the, the the flashing amber light is, is kind of the the issue there in, in that division. But uh, let's move on to, to heavyweight and light heavyweight here. And obviously, putting those two divisions together as well, it's kind of something you have to do when Daniel Cormier was the champion and John Jones is the champion now. And Daniel Cormier is obviously the champion at 165 or 265 pounds as well. What, what do you think happens with Daniel Cormier next? Do you think this Brock Lesnar thing is happening, or do you think he's going to have to fight Steve or someone? Um, it's hard to know with Brock Lesnar. Like, he's still in WWE. Yeah, yeah he he's is still yeah. turning up on TV. Yeah, like no, he, he's, well, he's not. He's he's apparently he's one more date left, and I think it's in June or something. And that Saudi Arabia show, it's like a huge money show. But other than that, I don't think he has anything else at the moment. But he could sign a new contract any day, like. Yeah, because like he, a lot of times when he's only one show left or only a couple of show left, he he he's like, oh, there's loads of talk about him coming to the UFC, and then he just signs a bigger contract with the WWE, or mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know. So I, uh, I don't know. Like it's it's hard to know Brock Lesnar and Daniel Cormier said, I don't know, a year ago that he only wanted big fights before he retired, and only a couple more. Mm-hmm. And Lesnar will be a big fight, but. You can't really rely on that, and Daniel Cormier is not a, at an age where you can really wait around too long. Um, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough one. Yeah, uh, you can understand why Daniel Cormier wants to fight him. Like you know, uh, it's a, it's an easy enough fight for him, and it's a, it's a big name, and it'll probably do good numbers. Yeah, the, like the, prob- the big you can't problem rely is on Brock Lesnar. Yeah, the big problem is Brock Lesnar. Like Daniel Cormier will take the fight, no problem. But you're talking about Brock Lesnar, and you know, I, I agree with you when you you know, I mean, Cormier said he wants big fights. Well, what are the big fights? It's either uh, John Jones or, or Brock Lesnar. John Jones is fighting here in July sixth. So what's that? Two months away. If you're fighting Daniel Cormier, then you're talking about the end of the year. And you know, is Cormier going to wait out that long? I know he's been injured and stuff, but I think he's going to be back here pretty soon. Is he going to want to wait to the end of the year? Is he going to take a Steve F fight or something like that? He's getting on as well, and I don't think that Steve F fight, if he does take it again, will be as easy as it was the first time. I'd, I'd probably still pick him to win. I definitely pick him, still pick him to win, but it's it's risky as well. You know, Daniel Cormier is in a position where Dana White has said that he's happy to give him that big money Brock Lesnar or John Jones fight. He's happy to do that. So will you know? Will he throw that away, or will he wait around? You know, they could easily make an interim title here. Carmier could could still say, you know, I'm waiting for this big fight. I'm still a little bit injured. I'll wait for Lesnar. I'll wait for Jones. You put an interim title. It'll it'll be a good way to get Stipe a match back there. You know, if Junior dos Santos and uh, Francis Ngannou is coming up here pretty soon, maybe the the winner of that against the Stipe or something like that might be, you know, might be a good fight uh, to make. Does uh, rematch? They're they're fighting at UFC two three nine as well. So, it's. <laughs> It's it's a weird time as well at, at a heavyweight, you know. That's we, we you know we'll get to a few more divisions later on that are kind of moving and are kind of maybe getting fixed up a little bit. But heavyweights really not one of them at the moment. It's it's kind of in 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 a state of uh, kind of pause at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see you know a few more of the guys there. Um, uh, obviously Fabricio Verdum is is out now with USADA suspension. As for Overeem is. You know, 11-6 and six in the UFC, won there uh, not too long ago. Cain Velasquez, what's going to happen with Cain Velasquez after lo- losing to Francis uh, Ngannou? Walt Harris is coming back here uh, pretty soon as well. Uh, Alexi Olnick just lost Curtis Blade, 6-2 and two now in the UFC as well with one no contest. Uh, Volkov is suspended by USADA, tied to Ivas fighting Ivanov, uh, UFC 238, and, you know, a few more uh, as well. And I suppose at, at £205 in, John Jones, like, could you see... 
a world where John Jones just over the next two or three years just takes on the next contender at 205 over and over and over again and doesn't look for these big fights and just keeps getting his his you know 300,000 400,000 pay-per-view buys and taking his paycheck yeah do you think people will keep like if he doesn't fight somebody that they actually think can beat him do you think people will keep buying the pay-per-views though if this goes on for a long time it's I think they probably will because you know who do you actually give him that people think you know okay there's the the, the match against Daniel Cormier which is not a, a fight people think he'll lose but it's you know it's a more competitive fight than any of the other fights but it's a fight where there is you know the, the two lads hate each other when you know if, if McGregor and Habib fought again a lot of people would probably think that McGregor has very little chance and Habib will just beat him again but people will still buy it because there's that hatred there I think it's the same with John Jones and, and Daniel Cormier and that might be a little bit unfair on, on both of those fights but I think it's kind of you know the absurdium thing where you know you look at it in that in that kind of position why are people buying it okay people will buy it for the rivalry but people will also buy it because of who's fighting you know if it's if it's a john jones fight night you're you know once every six months you're going to say fuck it i'll say in this saturday we, we'll get a few beers we get a pizza and we watch the john jones fight like that's the difference john jones has over an usman or a woodley or a max holloway or something like that he is you know he's maybe not prime time viewing but he is viewing. People will watch him. Like, and I, I, I he is viewing. He is like a lot of lads aren't. Like, that's what the problem with Demetrius Johnson. People weren't viewing him, and that, that was his problem. Even though he's a phenomenal fighter, better fighter than John Jones, in my opinion. Or you know, they're they're close anyway. They're two comparable guys in the UFC. But John Jones has that because he's a really really good fighter, and he's you know a big guy, and he just you know he ha- he has that kind of that cockiness to him as well, that guy's in that position, like, there's a touch of the Floyd Mayweather's about John Jones, like, that, okay, it doesn't really matter who he's fighting, we just kind of want to see him, a lot of people want to see him lose as well, so, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of the reason people tune in for John Jones fights is hoping he loses, Mm -hmm. Um, people didn't like him from the very start when he, even when he was young coming through because yeah. they thought he was fake and that all God that stuff. stuff. Yeah, that was very fake. Yeah, you know, he was just, everybody could see through that that wasn't his personality and, and people just took a dislike to him straight away, and then obviously all the all the incidents over the years kind mm-hmm. of like they kind of just come in people's heads. They're like, ah, I knew, I knew there was something wrong with this guy. I was right all along. Mm-hmm. And they want to see him lose. Like a lot of people tune in, want to see Conor or McGregor lose as well. That's like true, a, yeah. a lot of those pay per view numbers aren't aren't just his fans. Mm-hmm. But you got to make people care either, either way. As long as they care, you're getting paid more. And John Jones is is laughing all the way to the bank with these. With these Anthony Smith matchups. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, I think uh, I think um, Thiago Santos is the sixth middleweight that John Jones has fought for the UFC light heavyweight title. And you know he's talking about Israel Adesanya didn't come yeah. <laughs> coming up soon as well. So he's John Jones is no problem. That's why I kind of say this that John Jones has no problem doing this. Like John Jones will take out those contenders coming up and up and doesn't care and has said loads of times that he doesn't give a fuck about heavyweight, doesn't want to go up to heavyweight. You know he's talked about heavyweight in at other times as well, but fleetingly I think. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if John Jones kind of stuck there. And you know we we look through in and see what what's actually coming. Okay, we've Thiago Santos and Johnny Walker which I think to be everyone that, you know, two people that everyone thinks could be the next contenders and then maybe in Israel Adesanya coming up. But, you know, he looks at the likes of Gustafsson is fighting Anthony Smith coming up here uh, at UFC uh, Stockholm. Luke Rockhold obviously coming up from middleweight as well, fighting Jan Blahovic at uh, UFC 239, the same card as John Jones, fights Ilir Latifi against Vulcan Ozdemir. Um, and, you know, after that, then, what are you kind of looking at? Kutabala lost at the weekend. You know, Glover Teixeira is, is probably not going to get another fight. Uh, with John Jones and you know after that there really there really isn't isn't much there to, to talk about isn't much there to, to look at for, for John Jones you know the Dominic Reyes maybe you know Corey Anderson maybe Jimmy Manoa definitely not you know Krylov probably not as well it's you know for John Jones it's it's in a he's in a weird spot that all the best fights and all the big fights from whether it's Carmier or whether it's Lesnar or you know Francis Ngannou or Stipe maybe even at or they're all at heavyweight all the big fights I don't know, are I don't know why he's not interested in going to heavyweight because like he you beats, look at like he beats them all yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know Derek Lewis is like you know top five and John Jones would make an absolute mockery of, <laughs> of yeah, Derek was. Lewis like he'd <laughs> make an absolute fool of him I think like uh, Curtis Blades like no problem DeSantos like JDS isn't the same fighter that he used to be he's come, come back a little but like John Jones just so much better. Mm-hmm. And Francis, Francis, like, you know, he has big pair, or maybe he could catch Jones, but 
I don't think so. I think Jones could just stick him on his back and if he, at any moment. Like, if, if I'm John Jones now and I'm like the petty fucker that John Jones is, do you know what I want to do? I want to go up and I want to beat Stipe's record of the most uh, title defences in UFC history. It's only like, what is it, three or something like that? Four? Yeah. John Jones he could do that in a year. He should Cormier around beating him or whatever division he's in. <laughs> yeah, just maybe. to piss him off. <laughs> Imagine if he did that. He beat Cormier and then he beat, like, Francis, he beat Steve and he beat JDS and that over him or something like that. that that's very possible for John you Jones. You'd get it done in, like, a year and a half he if would, he wanted to He result. would do it, like, if I'm John Jones, I'm thinking, this is just, I'll be the undisputed greatest of all time. I'm, I'll uh, knock Daniel Cormier off his perch as well while I do it. It's, it's a win-win for John Jones. I, and, like... He could easily do that. Easily do it. Like I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's such a weird one why he doesn't do it. And I, I think you know, Chelsea and talks a lot of shit, but I think th- what he said about John Jones and uh, Zen Simon actually said it as well, a similar thing on the last podcast we did. John Jones is a bully. Like that's what John Jones is. And if John Jones is fighting smaller lads or a bigger lad, sorry, will he, will he be as good of bully as he is at two hundred and five pounds? I'm not so sure, you know, it might be a bit of a mental thing as well to see, you know, with John Jones, but I don't know, it's interesting, I, like, hopefully we see him at heavyweight before this prime ends, you know, I talked about Holloway and Rose earlier, and that, that prime, that prime doesn't last forever, it won't last forever with John Jones as well, and he's not too far away from it, so, you know, he'd want to be doing it in the next two or three years if he's doing it, because that prime won't last, so, uh, you know, it's interesting times ahead at heavyweight and, and light heavyweight anyway, um, all right, let's move on to to middleweight, and obviously we've we've two champions there at the moment from uh, the, the Anzac countries, um, uh, Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker. Obviously, Israel Adesanya, the uh, the interim champion, with the likes of obviously Anderson Silva is going to be fighting Jared Cannonier coming up here uh, next week or the week after. I think Derek Brunson is fighting Elias Teodoro this weekend. Um, not too many other big fights coming up there. Just looking through the the rankings here. You know, uh, Paulo Costa as well has got his six-month USADA suspension. He's 4-0 in the UFC. Um, and, you know, middleweight has been one of those divisions where it's kind of historically top-heavy with Anderson Silva going through it all the time. And the fact that the likes of Luke Rockhold, the likes of, of uh, Thiago Santos and Anthony Smith are gone up to 205 pounds as well. And a lot of what we have are kind of maybe stragglers <laughs> from, from 170 pounds, like, like <laughs> you know, like the, the likes of Kelvin Gastelum and stuff like that. Although he's very and good. Robert Robert Whittaker. Whittaker, so, yeah, <laughs> that, that's very unfair. But, you know, Chris Weidman, Chris Weidman hanging around in there. Derek Brunson hanging around. Jack Romanson coming through my boy. Jack Romanson, he could be the next title challenger as well. But, you know, when you see Uriah Hall still ranked, you know that the division is very... Very, very top heavy, I think. But the top is really it's like the Premier League, isn't it? Just two really good teams and then the rest are shite after. Not no, that's unfair, but anyway, what do you think? Yeah, like it's it's like there is some good matchups at the top of the division, but as you look as you start looking down Jack Hermanson, like very good win. Like he's the kind of one that maybe can make something happen, but the rest of them, you know. Brad Tavares is just constantly ranked in the top. 10 or 11 or 12 mm-hmm. for years like it kind of says everything like you know he's a bit of a jack of all trades but master of none you know and it, the division's just just not great like in uh, Luke Rockhold is after leaving the division as well which which doesn't mm-hmm. help the division either yeah and he didn't I actually saw Luke Rockhold inside in Shaw's there in Limerick the other day he's, he's pictures up on the wall he's doing like a Dior ad campaign or something so I was very I was like oh there's fucking Luke Rockhold what's that about but anyway went for a few drinks with him uh a few years ago, he's, he's very, he's very funny. He had this uh, mate with him who just goes around everywhere, and his mate was like, "Ah, oh, Luke's so handsome! All these girls just keep coming over, and I just get the sloppy seconds." <laughs> <laughs> is he like? Is, I always thought Luke Rockwell was kind of, I don't know, a bit dim. Is he like that, or is he, I, I'm surprised um, he said he's funny. He's, he, he, we were just taking the piss out of him. Oh yeah, you're was, laughing at him more than laughing with him. Well, like okay. he was, he was, he, he thought it was funny, like really? or didn't yeah. understand and laughed anyway. But I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe he's just like these fucking weirdos, like <laughs> probably, but, uh, probably hanging around with you anyway. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was funny. Yeah, I think he's like, um, I don't know, he's a bit kind of he stands up very straight. He's a bit like you know proud of himself about mm-hmm. everything. I think maybe cocky. that could be just a uh, yeah. He's a bit cocky, but he he's he's like we were able would, to take uh, it. So like, yeah. oh, you know. Fair. That, that's unusual for Americans, isn't it? That yeah. usually can't can't take the slag. Yeah, or else he's there. like, I'm gonna remember this guy, like, kick the shit out of him next yeah. time there's no people around. <laughs> just boiling up inside. <laughs> a few years later, you'll see me and just beat the <laughs> just shit out of him. Punch me. you right in the fucking face. He'll do. Uh, he'll do a Tim Butcher. He'll just take you down and fucking break your arm and leg at the same time. Uh, Did we ever tell the story about when Noel McGrath got locked in the toilet when he was having a point with Nate Diaz? No. 
uh, I think, or I think Nate Diaz down the pub, and there were a few people were talking to him, and Noel went to the toilet, and uh, the, the the toilet door broke, and they had to like you know get somebody the maintenance guy to come and like screw the the, the handle off the door and get him out of the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> where, where was this? Where was it? I think it was in Vegas, or it was yeah, it must have been in Vegas. So say, hold on, say that again. I I, I he. I think okay. there was a, there was a bunch of people in in like the bar in one of the hotels and yeah. Nate Diaz came down and Noel McGrath and a few others were like chatting and having a point with Nate Diaz Noel, Noel went to the toilet <laughs> and uh, couldn't get out of the toilet because the, the handle of the that's door the broke. Most, that's the most Noel McGrath thing ever isn't it? That is really the most Noel McGrath thing ever. Uh, we, need to do a, McGrath. we need to do a podcast just on MMA drinking stories. That's what we need to do. We should have a, a segment Noel McGrath moments and did have like I, a little team tune and stuff. Did Noel McGrath fall down the stairs or something one time? Yeah, no, he, he injured his knee walking down the stairs or something at a UFC hotel or something like that. Another time he lost his passport on the side of the road and uh, <laughs> he also lost something else and somebody found his like Twitter name on his, uh, or the Talking Brawl's Twitter on his, written on something and like sent him a message being like, yeah, I found your passport on the side of the road here in, Swe- oh, in Sweden. Fucking fair play to him. You wouldn't do no He also, Ireland, like, that. I never miss flights ever and one time I was with Noel McGrath and, and the, McGregor, the McGregor debut against Brimage, I missed my flight. Yeah. Why? Because uh, we were on the piss. Yeah, we were just drinking whiskey. Um, Kavanaugh, John Kavanaugh and Sean Shelby had had a bet before that uh, Connor was going to knock Brimage out in the first round and John was going to buy all the drinks for Sh- for Shelby if 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 uh, Connor didn't and Shelby was going to buy all the drinks for John if he didn't. So we were just ordering for John. We were like, yeah, John will have three doubles. <laughs> <laughs> so, hold on, Sean Shelby paid for drinking for the whole night. So is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, like I don't remember m- most of the night. So... Uh, I just remember waking up in bed and having missed the alarm and running down, like literally leaving like half my clothes, just shoving a bunch of clothes into a bag, being like, no, we got to go, running out. John Joe Regan was outside about to get into a taxi. I'm like, John, I need this taxi. Sorry, get into the taxi. <laughs> and then we went to the airport and missed the gate by five minutes. Oh, oh my God. Fucking hell. I, was, I was drinking with Sean Shelby one night as well after one DOC. <laughs> and I just, I, you know what I mean? I just twisted it like fucking four. He was fair play to him. He was having the last three people drinking on the night in the Gibson Hotel were me, Dustin Paria and Sean Shelby. And I was just suggesting fights for Sean Shelby to make for like an hour. I'd say I just fucking annoyed the head off him, but it was it was good crack anyway. But uh anyway, right, let's let's get back to the state of the UFC address here. That went severely off the rails there for like ten minutes, but sure. It's a bit of crack anyway. Um Welterweight. What Welterweight is a weird vision because for a long time I kinda looked at Tyron Woodley as a lad that was a bit annoying as a champion because his fights were kind of boring, but I, I liked watching his fights, a lot of them, apart from the, the second one by fight, maybe, but they were kind of, who's going to beat Tyron Woodley was kind of the, the thing. It wasn't like, oh, who's Tyron Woodley going to beat next? It was like, who's going to take him off the throne? And I feel like Usman is the same sort of character. You know, I, I like if you look, say look at uh, 115 or 170 pounds, like an Adesanya, if he was, was to become the champion, be like, oh, who can he beat next? Or like looking at Whitaker, who could he beat next? Or, you know, same with Habibers. But Usman, it looks like, who's going to beat him? Like, and it's very hard to see anyone beating him. Like, you look at Colby Covington, is he going to beat him? I don't think so. Dasanya's probably not. Masvidal, definitely not. Askren, I don't think either. Till, no. Wonderboy, you know, maybe, but I don't think so. After losing to Pettis, Pettis, no. Ponzinibbio, I think think is is a guy who who could be a champion in, in the future well, historically but, his wrestling has been his kind of weak yeah. point i know i know he's kind of um improved his takedown defense and hasn't really been taken down in a while but it's still be thinking that w- with the dis- discrepancies we saw last time he was on his back even though it was a few years ago that Usman would have a big advantage there mm-hmm. yeah I, I'd, I'd probably agree with that i always thought Ponzinibbio against Woodley was maybe the fight where Woodley'd lose the title but yeah as you say Usman might be a bit of a worse matchup for him and you know Leon Edwards is coming through as well Damian Maya's fighting uh, pretty soon coming up here as well and you know just you know, kind of looking through um, looking yeah. through Zen just so you, you mentioned uh, Leon yeah. Edwards there how do you think Fabian Edwards does in this this middleweight division in the, middleweight, in like, the UFC I think yeah. he probably does pretty well like you know if you put right. him in there with there's you, no need to rush but if you actually put him in there against some of these guys that are ranked in top 15 he'd beat him Uriah Hall yeah. he'd beat Uriah Hall Andy I think Elias Teodoro yeah. Carlos or Antonio Carlos Jr Brad Tavares like 
Cantonier. It's a pity he's in Bellator, isn't it? Like the I, I, with the lower weight guys, I don't mind too much because there's there's good competition. Like any welterweight coming through, you know, MVP he can fight. You know, he never did, but now he's kind of fighting good. He's fighting Lima. He could fight Rory McDonald coming up soon. I've no problem. But middleweight, there isn't. You know, okay, there's Gregor Musasi, but what else is there really? You know, that's unfortunate. Like uh, Fabian Edwards, the type of guy who needs to be in the UFC, I think. And it's it's like he could do really really well in the UFC right now. It's you know it's unfortunate, but he's always well, fighting it, next it, week. This week. It, if he does end up in the UFC after a few more fights, then it's then it's perfect because mm-hmm. you know there's no need to rush him there. That's true as well, yeah. If he gets to like what a nine, ten, and zero as a pro, and ten and zero as an amateur, and the brother of Leon Edwards, who's always getting better, and they, like a lot of people, including me, think that the ceiling of, of well, maybe not a lot of people. Most people probably don't know Fabian Edwards, but yeah. people. I think that he has a higher ceiling than Leon and that's not taken away from Leon. Like Leon's obviously <laughs> one of the upper echelon guys like in mm-hmm. the in the welterweight division, which is which is not an easy division. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I think as long as he can get himself out of Bellator when, when the time's right, <laughs> then it's perfect. Yeah, he needs an exit plan, that's what he that's what he Yeah, needs. exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it it's funny, I'm just looking through the welterweight uh, division here, um Zen Simon's list. Eric Cork is a welterweight now. He used to fight at one forty five. There's such a McGregor's about Eric Cork. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me too, yeah. Um there's some really good fights here coming up as well. Sergio Marais fighting Varley Alves, uh, Anthony Rocco Martin is fighting Damian Maya, uh, Mike Chiesa against Diego Sanchez. Um, Neil Magny against Vicente Luque, a guy we always seem to forget about as well as Ilezu uh, uh, Z- Zaleski. I I can never say his name. He's you know he's what is he seven and one now. In maybe the, maybe in people UFC. just don't talk about him because they can't pronounce can't, his can't name. Say his name. Yeah, say his name. <laughs> Sorry, mate. You need a nickname. I think he has one, doesn't he? Or something. We'll give him. Uh, we'll give him one. It'll be yeah, grand. yeah. Zeki. We gave him a nickname the last time. Remember? Oh, Zeki. We, did, we actually, fucking yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> we did. We did. Uh, Jeff Neal as well, three and zero in the UFC. Uh, Alexi Konchenko. He's a really good fighter. I think Zane mentioned him the last time we were doing this as well. So you know, just there's good talent coming there through there as well at 170 pounds so uh let's let's see what happens there coming up uh pretty soon right the last two divisions 145 pounds and 155 pounds 145 pounds for us what like max holloway obviously went up and he f- i always thought it was weird a champion gone up fighting for the interim title and now he's coming back down you know we kind of we thought we'd have this situation a while ago with with mcgregor although obviously he you know the, uh, he got sidetracked severely with two NTS fights after he was supposed to fight RDA and then Eddie Alvarez and then fly Mayweather and stuff. He's still on his way back down to 145 months, maybe. He might still see him come down, but that, that's not happening anytime soon. But he he never made the situation where he lost and had to come back down. How do you think that fares for Max Holloway coming back down to 145 pounds? Do you think he's a bit vulnerable? Um, I don't know. Like, if... If all the stuff hadn't happened at Max Holloway with the with the weight cut and we don't really know what happened there, mm-hmm. you'd probably be thinking, ah, no, it'll be okay. Like, you know, he got beaten by a really good guy in a yeah. close fight and uh, at a different division on sh- relatively short notice for changing divisions. So, but I always have it in the back of my head that he, that looked so bad, like when his face looked just mm-hmm. droop, droopy. It just looked like something really bad happened. And I don't know, maybe he's fully recovered, but maybe he isn't. Do you know what's weird as well? Like it, it wasn't just that 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 happened with the whole weight cutting and you know whether it was uh you know a concussion or what. Then he went up a weight and he looked bad with the extra weight on him. So like it's you don't you don't just have like the weight cutting getting down to hundred and forty five pounds. You also have like in short notice kind of over what was it six weeks or seven weeks or something like that trying to get on that extra ten pounds of maybe muscle so you can cut weight to get yeah. down to hundred and fifty five pounds. That's not good on the body, like. That's tough, especially for a guy who's taken, you know, he hasn't taken the most damage in the world, but he's fought an awful, awful lot. He's fought for a long time. He's still a young guy and all, but as I mentioned earlier, he's... He's been in the game since he's very young fighting. Very young, so it's... A guy like that when they've, you know, you look at John Jones and see, oh, he's had a really long prime, being a champion for years. But John Jones was only, what, seven fights in or eight fights in or something when he won the the championship against Shogun Hua. Like, Max Holloway was, what, 20 fights in like Dustin Poirier took him I think 22 fights to win a UFC championship he's gonna, not going to last at the top of that division for too long that's just the, the way of the world in MMA and you know that's unfortunate but it's a big time here now for him and you know who's, who's he going to fight next I suppose the prime candidate maybe would be Alex Volkanovsky if he can beat Jose Aldo at UFC 237 coming up here you cannot deny him that title shot and that would be a really really fun fight you know Frankie Edgar's always hanging around there he'll probably get two shots at him and maybe a third one if he loses the first two um, <laughs> Ricardo Lama 
Samas is fighting uh, Calvin Cater at UFC 238. Imagine um, if, if Frankie Edgar just tuned into one of these podcasts and just heard you just ragging <laughs> on him. He's like, "What? What the fuck? <laughs> Why does this guy hate me?" Yeah, I actually, I actually like Frankie Edgar, but I just—it's kind of a gimmick now, and I have to keep kind of doing it because people, people, people wouldn't. Like, but it is true as well. Though. How many fucking title shots can Frankie Edgar get? Like, Jesus. Yeah, well, Christ. people, people like thought I hated Frankie Edgar because I said mm. I thought McGregor would beat him in the first round when McGregor first came to the UFC. People were like, yeah. "That's outrageous! It's outrageous! You, why do you hate Frankie Edgar? It's not nothing you would hate. Like just." <laughs> you think a fighter's going to beat a fighter and you think you maybe you don't like the fact that he's gotten all these title shots he's a bit of a Uriah Faber in that way mm-hmm. but it's, it's not a it's not a Frank Yeager thing you were saying it about Uriah Faber when he was getting all the, yeah. all the title shots it's not personal it's just uh, an opinion <laughs> like, just, right, I, I, one lads I used to always talk to me he used to always say I'm just calling it as it is and I used to say to him you're not calling it as, as it is you're calling it as you see it and that's, yeah. that's what we're that's all we're doing but you know, it's funny. I'm looking through the list here. Obviously, you know, you look at the likes of Zabit, Megamed, Sharapov, and we think he's going to be really good 5-0 in the UFC. Volkanovski 6-0 in the UFC fighting Aldo. But then Arlen, Arlen Allen, he's 5-0 in the UFC as well. You kind of you kind of forget that a little bit. Macron Amerikani as well, 4-1 in the UFC, training above an SPG now. You kind of forget that as well. Dan Eyes, 3-1 in the UFC. You know, there's some good guys coming through there as well. Kevin Aguilar, Bryce Mitchell look good in a couple of his fights. Sadiq Yusuf looks like a really, really good prospect. Mike Grundy coming through. We know him from from the local scene around here, one and all as well in the UFC. So, featherweight, it's always been a really, really strong division. And I still think there's lots of guys coming through as well. You know, like um, my boy, um, oh God, what's his name? Um, God, Marcel Bektic as well coming through. <laughs> you forgot your boy. I forgot my boy. Your boy. Because he's injured for so long. Yeah, well, he's always injured. But uh, you know, I, I did I mention your year, your year as well. And Apple Meccano as well. You know, so there's there's a good, good, good few. The damage there, Elkins so. is really your boy. The damage, he is my boy. I love Elkins. I love a bit of Elkins. But all right, last division here, lightweight. Obviously, did the uh, nothing to talk about here. Nothing to talk about here. The Abu Dhabi show was announced yesterday. Uh, I believe so. It looks like Dustin Poirier versus Habib Nurmagomedov is going to be on that. Then you have obviously Tony Ferguson, Conor McGregor, Ally Quintas fighting this weekend against Cowboy Cerrone. You know, interesting to see who wins that fight. Justin Gaethje, Kevin Lee is moving up to 170 pounds. How, what way do you think the UFC 155 pound division will kind of work out over the next six months to a year? Yeah, well, it does look like they're gonna they're gonna put together the the Poirier fight now that they're giving them the or that they let him fight for, and he won the interim belt. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's a strange move that I think the UFC wouldn't have made in under previous ownership, and with Joe Silva there, they would have they would have kept that that uh, Habib and Connor rematch, mm-hmm. uh, just because there's so much money there. And you, you were talking earlier about oh, people would say oh McGregor doesn't stand much of a chance, but you know, I knew that one would get to you. I mean, you know what I mean, though. Like it's yeah. it's like people are tuning in to see him lose. Mm-hmm. But so it, they're th- they're thinking, oh, like a lot of people are thinking, oh yeah, this is he's gonna get his head kicked in again, and there'll be no excuses this time, and, and that that'll sell it. And people who are McGregor fans are gonna be like, oh well, like you know, he he was unsteady on his foot, and you could see it. Mm-hmm. Like he, oh, he he nearly landed a knee, nearly this, like you know, oh, bad day at the office. There's always rationale to. And like you know, it's MMA. Anything can happen, even in the first place when there isn't, mm-hmm. when like when somebody even isn't as dangerous on the feet as McGregor has been. So you, you can definitely sell that again. And also, it does, Conor it, McGregor uh, sold people that he could beat Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> this man, yeah. this man could sell fucking uh, ice to the Eskimos. Like <laughs> he really, really could. <laughs> he really, really. And I'm not, I'm not conflating. You know, Floyd Mayweather to Habib fight. It's a, you know, McGregor has a, obviously a chance in the Habib fight. I'd, I'd favor Habib strongly, but if McGregor be, I pick McGregor for the first fight. Like I think McGregor at his best can beat Habib. But like the, the problem is, is McGregor at his best anymore? But that that doesn't really matter. I think if. You know, if the fight is made again, the fight will sell again, one hundred percent, and it'll probably be the you know the second biggest selling fight in the history of the UFC, if not if not the biggest. You know, even if McGregor can get back in there and get another win, you know, there's Tony Ferguson is coming back now, Justin Gaethje, you know, Cowboy if he wins at the weekend, Iaguinta even if if he needs another fight, but yeah, do you, like do I think you, though, like McGregor can fight all these like Gaethjes and Fergusons and Iaguintas and all these guys after the B fight, like yeah. even if he, for example, was to lose to Habib again. Nobody's gonna be like, oh, we don't want to see him fight Gaethje. Exactly. Like, who doesn't want yeah, to exactly. like? want to see him fight um, Nate again? Who doesn't want to see yeah. him fight Cowboy? Like, yeah, they're they're all there. Like, 
do you think the UFC would risk it? You know, you you mentioned earlier. I think on. so because I think I think it's changed. I think it's it's the the previous UFC wouldn't have the previous owners and people mm-hmm. running it wouldn't have. But now I think they're just desperate to put on. They have so many shows and they're desperate to put on fights, and they're probably thinking naively maybe that oh well, Habib's going to be a big draw now that he beat Connor. Yeah, he's going to be a bigger draw than he was before, but he's. It's not going to be touching. I reckon, you know, could could this Paria fight, you know, if it draws 350,000 people, you know, prove to them that Habib is not... I don't think Habib is going to be draw. You know, if maybe if Habib draws a million against Paria, people, you know, they'll be thinking, okay, that that could actually drive him to make the McGregor fight even more because it'll be even bigger then, I suppose. But, you know, if yeah. he draws less, they're probably going to be thinking, let's make the McGregor fight while we kind of can make the McGregor fight. And they probably wouldn't want to risk McGregor losing as well, you know, so they couldn't make the Habib fight. But, like, there's a thing then when is well. When does Habib's self-imposed ban up? Like... He's, it was supposed to be November, but this Abu Dhabi card is before November, isn't it? Let me just look at my... Uh, my I think I got an email here about it. Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, but I, it's before that. I think it's September. I think it's September, yeah. So, But he was only banned until September, but... I, You know, I, I think that fight's Standing arm in arm with his, with his mates. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's probably something McGregor would, would like as well. He'd do the same, I'm, I'm sure. But although he probably wouldn't actually, <laughs> actually, he'd probably just fight to make a lot of money. But sure, these things happen. But you know, it's it's an, it's definitely an interesting time at 155 pounds. It's another division that's kind of, I think, you know, to, to say it's held up is wrong because they made that interim title, and I think it was a correct interim title to make because of that situation where if they didn't make it, we'd all be thinking now, oh, what's going to be next? Are they just going to make this Habib Connor fight? And, you know, that, that whole, you know, court case thing that was going on over in, uh, uh, or not the court case, the, uh, the Nevada Senate-led commission case where they were banned and stuff going on until like two months ago and stuff like that. And, you know, to get this fight out of the way and get the, this Paria fight going, well, I wouldn't know Paria out of beating Habib either. And I suppose for the UFC, they wouldn't be too too mad with that because then they could put Habib versus or uh, Paria versus McGregor together again. And then if McGregor was to win that, if you know, he, you'd probably give him a good chance of winning that because they fought before. And McGregor can seem to land that big shot when he's fighting Paria, and you know they, they could make the Habib fight again. But I don't know. We're kind of rambling now anyway. These things anyway happen. Who do you think Tony Ferguson? Before we get out, who do you think Tony Ferguson should fight in his his comeback fight? Mm. Gaethje. <laughs> God, that'd be funny shit. Let's, let's, yeah. Let's, let's make that happen. All right. Just make Gaethje fight everybody. <laughs> yeah, McGregor. I'd love to see Gaethje versus McGregor. What a fight that'd be. Jesus. Yeah, it'd be great. I, I think it'd be the perfect fight for Gaethje, McGregor. Gaethje, though, though, like, you know, like, you look at that division, you can't really put him in a bad fight there. No, nah, you can't. It's just, yeah. Gaethje against anyone. Even, uh, maybe, yeah. But even, like, a, said, like, say, Gregor Gillespie or, or Habib, who might take him down and maul him and stuff. Like, Gaethje's hard to take down. He's hard to maul. He's a really good wrestler as well, you know? So, yeah, a lot of interesting fights there but sure look the time will tell anyway all right everybody thanks very much uh for listening uh sign up patreon.com forward slash severe mail podcast for if you'd like to hear one of these every six weeks or every month or so and q a podcast and the rewatch and stuff so i'll have a rewatch out i believe on monday i think and then i'll have another one on thursday and we'll ha- do another bit of a podcast as well maybe tuesday or wednesday this week so feel free to send us in your questions at severe may pod uh, and we'll answer them all there it'll be up on, on the free feed anyway hopefully if we if we get a chance all right Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you all next time. Good luck.